0: This is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. The Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act, or Jobs Act, was signed into law five years ago this week with the hope that removing burdensome disclosure requirements and encouraging the use of crowdfunding tools would spur new business startups to eventually grow into large public companies. The Financial Executive Research Foundation, in partnership with Not Only Financial Solutions, is preparing to publish a white paper this month on the JOBS Act, whether it has changed the IPO market, and how the law could change in the next five years. In this second podcast on the subject, we speak with Professor Rina Agaral, director of Georgetown University's Center for Financial Markets and Policy. Dr. Agaral specializes in capital raising, initial public offerings, and corporate governance. And she discusses what lessons financial executives should learn regarding the first five years of the JOBS Act. So, Dr. Agarl, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I, what we're going to discuss is the IPO ma- IP market and um, emerging growth companies. And, and the first question I wanted to ask is, really following up on the JOBS Act, And and how it was sort of, if I understand, the intention was to sort of spur the IPO market. So how would you describe the IPO market today versus what it was back when the Jobs Act was uh, created in 2012?
1: Uh, sure, Chris. Uh, so the IPO market, if you, if you try to look back to what was happening before the JOBS Act, uh, we had gone through this uh, terrible financial crisis. And in 2008, nine, ten, eleven, the IPO market was looking terrible, whether you look at uh, proceeds or you look at the number of IPOs. So, there was a lot of pressure to think in terms of how do we get economic growth going, how do we create jobs, and uh, access to capital was a big issue at that time so there was uh, you know that formed the basis for creating the jobs act and uh, and part of the criticism at that time was uh, remember sox had been implemented Oxley was concerned that iPOs were not taking place partly because of regulation uh, people felt there was too much regulation in the post uh, Sarbanes-Oxley world so we had the post Sarbanes-Oxley world then we had the financial crisis and uh, there was a lot of thinking on how do we how do we make capital available? And uh, in that uh, terrible four or five year period for the IPO market, the Jobs Act emerged. And uh, here we are, 2017, and the IPO market uh, has seen ups and downs. Uh, for example, I guess 2014 was a decent year. If you look at the last uh, 15 years or so and uh, and then last year 2016 was not a good year I uh, looked uh, pretty bad based on uh, all kinds of metrics so now we are in 2017 uh, I must say I feel a lot more optimistic now uh, Yeah, yeah. so so I hope uh, that the IPO market will take off and uh, recently we've had the SNAP IPO. Uh, The SNAP IPO, it uh, obviously has its uh, corporate governance kinds of issues, but but in some ways I was hoping that uh, it would take off because that might mean that others who are waiting in the pipeline will decide uh, to do an IPO.
0: So I want to follow up on that a little bit because, I mean, it sounds as though, you know, the IPO market has gone through its traditional cycles from year to year, right? And um, I think, you know, like, as you mentioned, ever since the financial crisis, but the JOBS Act was sort of, you know, the hopes, if I understand it correctly, were to sort of change the dynamic in the market. And part of that was emerging growth companies and, and the creation of emerging growth companies, you know, streamlining disclosure. You know, making it easier, unburdening people from regulation. Did the emerging growth company structure change the IPO, mar- IPO market according to your estimation?
1: I think it's very difficult to answer whether the Act itself and the emerging uh, growth company clause uh, resulted in more IPOs than we would have had without the JOBS Act, but we do know one thing, that a lot of companies that have gone public, uh, a a, a vast majority, have used provisions of the JOBS Act. so uh, so some of the major provisions of the jobs act were uh, you can confidentially submit your registration statement if, uh, if your are for- a firm's revenues are less than a billion dollars and uh, and therefore the, this kind of the second one was testing the waters with investors and Seems like a lot of companies have taken advantage of that. So obviously those who are accessing capital, they see advantages to having the Jobs Act. Um, So it's difficult to answer whether we would have had the same number of IPOs and the same Dollars raised, but uh, but it does seem like from uh, the issuers' point of view, they're finding aspects of the Jobs Act that are helpful. You know, the Jobs Act hasn't led to gangbuster IPOs happening, like in terms of tons of IPOs taking place. But uh, but maybe without the Jobs Act, things would be even worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, do you feel that, I mean, when you say it would be even worse, do you feel like sort of things like the confidential um, draft registration statement and, and, you know, reduced disclosure requirements, they encourage some companies that were on the fence about going down this path that they they could do it, that they could do it for for, um, less friction and less cost?
1: So, IPOs are they're full of uncertainty in yeah. so many ways, right? You have you have whatever is going on with the company, but then you have the markets, the broad markets. And the markets have been choppy, volatile, even though they've been trending upwards. So, some of these aspects of the Jobs Act, uh, having the confidentiality, testing out the waters with some investors before you do a full-blown roadshow, mm-hmm. uh, I think it does give investors, uh, I'm sorry, issuers uh, a little bit more, uh, uh, they're willing to try it out, uh, as you right. said, ones who are sitting on the fence, they, they're they willing to try it out because they know they can pull back without being highlighted and being in the public eye in a big way.
0: Right, right. I was wondering, and, and then just this sort of... My own notification. I mean, is there any part of the disclosure? Um, I guess the the limited disclosures that you feel um, was was most beneficial. You know, is there any? You know, I, mean, I don't know how to phrase that, um, but you know, the the disclosure regime, regime. Do you think that was a significant? matter in, in, uh, in the jobs act, or do you think it was just sort of a, a, a tangential benefit?
1: Well, certainly the disclosure regime. Uh, So let's think about uh, the audited financial statements that you required two years, not three years. Right. Almost 70% of companies have used that. Uh, So just looking at numbers and the statistics, it suggests to me that was helpful. A very large proportion, almost all the companies in terms of um, the requirement, the the lower requirements on uh, limited executive compensation information being disclosed. Again, a very large uh, group of companies has used that. So it sounds like that's valuable. So if you go down each of those, just based on the fact that a very large percentage of companies that have done IPOs and that qualify have used, that suggests to me that they found value in using them, right? And you, you don't want to get too... Far away. I mean, these disclosures, uh, to some extent, I would say they were at the margin. Right? If you make the disclosures too low, uh, that would actually not be a good thing. I I think the other thing, uh, when the Jobs Act came up, some people worried about uh, are the disclosures too low? Should they be higher? And. One good thing in my mind that has happened, we haven't seen a huge amount blow up, right? right. If because of these limited disclosures, things had blown up at companies, uh, then using these disclosures uh, would, would be more difficult. And then there would be calls for, we've got to change them, this is not working. So, um, you know, we're glad to see that hasn't happened.
0: Well, I mean, I I guess, I mean, companies have blown up in different ways, but not because of financial disclosures. Right, Right, right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Companies have, uh, have not performed well. Companies have blown up in different ways. Right, right. But uh, we can't point and say this, uh, the JOBS Act and using the JOBS Act was, uh, that, that's what the main reason was.
0: Hi, this is Chris Westfall and we just want to let you know that this podcast and this research report is brought to you by Donnelly Financial Solutions. Donnelly Financial Solutions helps public and private companies meet their evolving business reporting requirements. Combining deep regulatory expertise with technical innovation and superior service Donnelly simplifies the disclosure process delivering accurate, timely, and secure communications. Venue deal solutions provide the tools to take the transaction from start to finish. Deal sourcing, secure online data rooms, contracts and contract analytics and more. Active Disclosure, Donnelly's cloud-based disclosure management solution allows you to create, create, manage XBRL tag and SEC file financial reports, giving you complete control over your entire reporting process, incorporating Microsoft's office tools and providing industry-leading security. Donnelly Investor Solutions investor services can take your proxy statement to the next level and help you optimize your shareholder communications its end-to-end annual meeting services are designed to help streamline the entire process with its broker search capabilities distribution of all proxy materials real-time online vote results inspector of election services final tabulation and ak filing of results again we want to thank Donnelly financial solutions for sponsoring this podcast and this research project so Reg A plus was approved in twenty fifteen, the crowdfunding rule in twenty sixteen. You know how important were those? What trends are you seeing from issuers in using these sort of capital raising options?
1: So all of these they're helping a little bit. I'm not sure that they're helping a huge amount. So Reg A plus, for example. Um the numbers are larger, much larger than what Reg A was doing. The exemptions being used under Reg A, uh, I, I think the numbers are sort of two to three billion dollars have been raised using the exemption. So, uh, so they're higher. So, I, again, I'm trying to see what's the downside versus what's the upside, and uh, and I don't see too much in terms of downside. So, some. Some have been able to use the exemption to raise capital, and uh, even though the numbers are not huge, but they're better than what they were, Crowd, uh, crowdfunding, those numbers are relatively low, What uh, they're pretty low, so they haven't really taken off as uh, uh, I'm not sure what the expectation was how much they would take off but uh, but you know those numbers were expected to be low based restrictions that were put around Um, you could only raise up to a million dollars and then how much investors could put in based on their income etc So one would not have expected huge numbers there anyway. So again, I think I go back to the good news is nothing blew up because of these new regulations. There's not much on the downside. On the upside, it certainly helped the capital raising process. Has it helped by a huge margin? I don't know. Would, uh, would the numbers, the capital, the uh, access to capital numbers, would have been much bigger if we didn't have these? Or would they have been much smaller if we didn't have the Jobs Act? At the end of the day, the IPO market is so much driven by confidence in the market, where the markets are, how well the markets are performing, and then the firm level. How are firms doing? And uh, I think one of the challenges has been companies have gotten such high valuations in the private market and the public markets haven't been willing to pay those valuations that has that has resulted in companies staying private longer <laughs>
0: So do you yeah. do you mask uh, do do you, do you think there's you know that's an important point right that um, you know private market and private market funding has higher valuations people aren't going public so they're disclo- I mean they're just not necessarily being publicly disclosed you know their their financials do you do you see anything in the horizon that sort of a, would change that dynamic um, I don't know if the you know sort of the new administration's um, approach to the market. Can be taken into account, but um, or even sort of dynamics in private funding that would force companies to think about public funding. Um, do you see anything like that changing?
1: Um, certainly, if there are regulatory changes, right? if there's a pullback on regulation, that can help. Um, eventually i think i think the private investors whether it's pe firms or vcs etc they've got to exit eventually they've got to bring those companies to the market they only it's only so long that you can keep selling to strategic investors or changing hands from one private owner to another private owner, whether it's a PE or someone else. So I'm hopeful that if the if the markets are doing well and there's not a huge amount of volatility, and then there are some successful IPOs, uh, that'll encourage other IPOs to take place. I think it's really important to have a few successful IPOs. So uh, it's still too early to say whether SNAP is successful or not. But uh, let's say SNAP does end up being a successful IPO, and uh, we can debate how you define a successful IPO. It's not pop up, up on the first day, but it's something longer term. Uh, then there could be other large uh, private firms that could go public. And uh, I think that'll, that'll do a lot of good for the confidence of the markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you end up having a couple of these uh, that go public and they're not successful, they don't do well in the public markets, the next earnings announcement comes out and, you know, things get hammered, uh, then that will not be good. Right. So whether Jobs Act or no Jobs Act, uh, I, I think those other forces are so much more important.
0: You know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, uh, that's what we keep hearing again and again as we go through this is that, you know, the the market forces are driving the IPO or market more than any sort of regulatory force or the jobs act as it was, you know, initiated. Um, I guess my final question for you is, you know, there is a lot of change going on in Washington. Um, you know, certainly the, the proposal to, you know, theoretically, you know, remove two regulations for everyone that's proposed, um, has uh, could have significant impact. Um, do you see anything out there other i mean as you said market forces are going to create the ipo market are going to are going to drive it do you see anything significant out there on the regulatory front that could possibly change that dynamic or do you or and i guess the second question is do you see anything on the market out there in the market right now that could significantly change the ipo pipeline
1: There are are lots of regulatory issues Um, in terms of disclosure, in terms of, you know, issues that might drive valuation. So we see the markets uh, feeling pretty good right now uh, because they see the administration being, I I suppose, uh, business friendly. Uh, Another big one will be uh, taxes. Right. What kind of changes take place to, in the tax regime that will impact uh, companies? I, I think that that can make a huge difference. Um, then there'll be, there are issues like that will be specific to a certain industry. So, for example, infrastructure if the new administration decides to do whatever they want to do with infrastructure, that impacts certain companies and that will impact companies who are in the infrastructure world. That's interesting. I I do think regulation and uh, what happens in Washington can drive uh, quite a bit of what happens with the IPO market in the future. For for example, if I look back at 2016, 2016, there were just so many uncertainties with respect to the U.S. elections, with respect to what was happening in Europe. And uh, I think that was keeping people back a little uh, in terms of whether they wanted to raise capital and in what form they wanted to raise that capital.
0: I'm going to leave you on on one easy, well, super hard question, but in an easy format. (laughs) So the JOBS Act, um, successful, unsuccessful, or uh, no impact at all?
1: I'm between little impact to successful. So I I wouldn't say it's not successful. Uh, It hasn't taken things back. It's moved things forward. Uh, Not enough for me.
0: Great. Terrific. Thanks very much for your time.
1: Sure. You're welcome, Chris.